The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Africa Business Report is brought to you by SAA, the ones who fly SAA's growing route network, now flying to Blantyre, Lilongwe, Vic Falls and Vintuk with us tonight. Rutendo Huindingui, Dr. Huindingui to the rest of you. Uh, Director, Tribe Africa Advisory, author of Rumble in the Jungle Reloaded. This BRICS phenomenon, Rutendo, this BRICS phenomenon of which we are a bizarre part because we added ourselves onto something that a guy called Jim 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 uh, from Goldman Sachs 20 years ago said, watch out for Brazil, Russia, India, China. These are the fast-growing economies. I'm going to call these the BRICS nation. And then South Africa somehow got drawn into it. Now, suddenly it's becoming a club everybody wants to be a member of. It's quite the weirdest sort of scenario, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a you know fear of missing out, it seems like. Uh, and I think the latest sort of um, thing that has happened, Bruce, is that uh, there are about 19 countries that have sort of, uh, apparently they've nudged China, which is the the bigger member of the club, to say, look, we want to be a member of BRICS. Uh, Five of them from Africa, namely Algeria, Egypt, uh, two nations from East Africa and West Africa. So it'll be very interesting in terms of if it becomes uh, 19 plus the five that are there, does it become like... The, the acronym becomes a 20 or 25 letter word. <laughs> that would be very funny to appreciate. But I think another element that's come out, which is quite key, it came out of an IMF report that was probably released yesterday, highlighting that, that the impact that we have, that uh, if, if, if the world's geopolitics continue on the route they are, and then there's a trading block that is focused on China and a trading block that is focused on the US and, uh, and, and Europe, the negative impact it would have on Africa, I think it highlighted like 10 billion US dollars loss over the next 10 years or something like that. But I think what it's just highlighting that with these clubs that are uh, with BRICS becoming obviously governized by China to a large extent, what will be the impact if the continuous trends happen? And that will be a thing to watch out for, Bruce. So interesting to be a member of a bigger club, but the question is how will that impact Africa from a trading block and economic perspective? And and this is the great complexity, of course, and of course Russia with its all uh, its uh, homemade travails as a result of it in uh, invading Ukraine, and the fact that Russia and China see each other as allies, and we can't decide whether or not we want to, which club we want to be part of. We want the benefits of being part of a traditional trading arrangement with the United States, Europe, and the United Kingdom, our biggest trading partners. Yet we also want to be able to sidle up to Brazil, Russia, India, China, and the BRICS alignment. It feels like we are trying to spread ourselves fairly thinly uh, across multiple channels and relationships. No, no, very true, Bruce. And I think more importantly, it's a, it's, it's an urgent wake-up call to the African Continental Free Trade Agreement in terms of saying, guys, we really ne- need to be self-sufficient to a certain extent so that uh, our dependency, obviously we want to be part of the global ecosystem, but we really need to strengthen the Africa trading bloc by itself uh, so that whatever impact does happen, whether it's from a China or EU or an American perspective, is limited. So I think here's a, a justified reason for the African Continental Free Trade Agreement model to to quicken in terms of operationalizing itself and being effective in terms of all its targets. Talk to me about the economic impact of the war in Sudan. We saw the good news today that all of the South Africans trapped in Sudan appear to have been evacuated from that part of the world. They've made their way, in in addition to other places, to places like Egypt and were making their way, the last I heard, to Cairo to get onto a plane to come home. That's good news. But the economic consequences of these conflicts are significant, particularly regionally. No, it, it is, Bruce. And I think, I mean, first and foremost, always the negative effect. I think up to date, 500 people have lost their lives. So we never take away the negative impact in terms of, of the toll on human people, on, on humans. 
But I think another key point is, if you look historically, you know, when Sudan split up between South Sudan and South, uh, uh, South Sudan and Sudan, uh, Sudan itself uh, obviously led probably three quarters of its of the of the economy or that it was gaining from oil to South Sudan. But Sudan itself, the idea was that they would inject. Uh, as you know, the Nile River originates in Sudan, so there's a, there's a, there's a huge opportunity in terms of hydroelectric power, and they probably they injected about ten billion US dollars of of investment into stimulating hydroelectric power and this with, with with the vision of stimulating the agricultural economy. Uh, and that was to compensate for the loss in revenue they were going to le- lose as a country to the oil that had gone to um, to South Sudan. That has never materialized the way it has. And I've, what's happened is that you've got a, a small slice of the economy, uh, which is in a country that has always had a history of warfare. So to cut a long story short, the two war infections that are there because of the two generals are literally fighting for a hold in the economy. There's also a story of gold uh, that's associated with it. But basically, it's an element of the slice, the, you know, the slice of the cake getting smaller, uh, or the slice of the pie getting smaller. And uh, over and above the politics being sorted out, is how do you stimulate the economy to become right? And that again uh, is going to be a challenging thing going forward. I agree. Japan's prime minister is visiting Egypt, yes, Ghana, Presa- Kenya, Mozambique, and not us. <laughs> you know, it's actually important because when, when these guys, when, when powerful economies come to Africa, it's always important to find out where they are going, but more importantly, where they are not going. And uh, I mean, the two big economies in Africa is Nigeria and South Africa. And he's, uh, maybe there's a problem with his plane. He doesn't want to land in those areas or maybe his GPS uh, is not working. But uh, I think the positive thing is that uh, Egypt, I think from an uh, investment perspective, Japan has, invested, has doubled its invested in the last year, uh, in the last fiscal year, so that's a positive thing. Ghana, they've always had great infrastructure projects that they've invested in, especially in the road section, and obviously he's going to Kenya and Mozambique as well. I think why it's quite key that he's not coming, why it sticks out, obviously the G7 summit is going to be happening in, um, in Japan in May, and South Africa obviously is not, has not been invited unless that has changed. Uh, the AU says that supposedly they're going to have representation. But I've, it's not sort of a good thing uh, for, a, for a key country like Japan and the role it plays in geopolitics uh, globally uh, to not be coming to, to, to South Africa or going to Nigeria. So uh, on one side for the countries that he's visiting, that's great. For the ones that it's not, it's a bit of a concern and, and obviously something that will be mitigated going into the future. Rutendo, thank you very much indeed. Rutendo Huindingui, Dr. Rutendo. He is founding director, Tribe Africa Advisory and author of Rumble in the Jungle, Reloaded.